0: Coming up, Major Paul Fields of the Tulsa, Oklahoma Police Department on what it's like to deal with civil unrest and a presidential visit. Welcome to another Real American Heroes Special Edition. I'm Oliver North and our guest today is a friend. I've come to respect him greatly. Major Paul Fields of the Tulsa, Oklahoma Police Department. He's been in law enforcement for over 25 years. He's worked in patrol, narcotics, vice, special operations, internal affairs, and is currently the division commander over the department's special investigations unit. Most recently, he was the incident commander for the president's visit and rally in Tulsa on June 20th. Give us a sense for what things have been like leading up to, and then we'll talk about the rally itself.
1: Well, obviously, uh, since the murder of George Floyd, things have been extremely busy. Uh, We saw protest almost immediately following that incident in Minnesota. And uh, for two and a half weeks up to the rally, we had three to four protests a day. So our officers have been extremely busy and and very taxing uh, over the last several weeks. And then when you throw in a a presidential and vice presidential visit at the same time, um, it certainly takes its toll.
0: Give us a sense for what it was like preparing for the president's visit. How how long did you have to prepare for it?
1: Well, we had five days. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So... It was not exactly, we literally were in, we were in the middle of a protest when we got the text message that the president was coming. And after uh, we kind of got over our initial shock, we got the next text that the vice president was coming. So that just made it better. Uh, we had about a day to rest and then it was, you know, 16 to 20 hour days yeah. to prepare uh, with the advance team. And you know, and in talking to the advance team, this event was on scale about the size of a Republican National Convention that they have months to prepare for. And so five days was a, was a daunting task, but uh, we managed to pull it off. And, and fortunately, we had no um, protesters, no attendees injured. We had zero property damage. We had some close calls, uh, but we really dodged a bullet. And I give all the credit to God on that because there were a lot of prayers for Tulsa,
0: Oklahoma. It looked to us, as watching it on the media, uh, that there were outside agitators in there. Were these the, if you will, people who took over, what, what would have been a peaceful protest?
1: That is correct. We actually had a controversial shooting here in Tulsa in 2016 and had had many protests as a result of that. We've really worked to develop our relationship with the local community. The Tulsans are very resilient. They're, we have very peaceful protesters here. And so our local community uh, activists and protesters, we have a good relationship. We were able to communicate with them most of the time uh, on how their protests would go. They would, uh, we would help facilitate what they wanted to do. But then in return, they would also help us um, keep the rallies and the protests safe. So what we experienced here, what little violence we did have was early on, Uh, And what we did experience was a group of outside agitators that came in and essentially would hijack that protest halfway through. And then they splintered off uh, into different segments. And that's where we had some of our initial violence, uh, property destruction, a little bit of looting. um, But it was all from outside agitators.
0: Tell me about the incident with the National Guard bus.
1: Immediately after the presidential rally, obviously, the protesters uh, gained in numbers. They they had planned out their coordination pretty well. Uh, And we were using National Guard kind of on our outer perimeter as a force multiplier. Obviously, this is a huge undertaking. We had over 550 man posts just within the perimeter of the rally site. And then we had about another 340 outside that perimeter, 240 being National Guard. So we were using them as an outer security perimeter and force multiplier if needed. One of their buses with about 40 National Guard members was surrounded by about 400 protesters in addition to two other law enforcement cars. And so it it got pretty tense there for a while. Uh, We called in some of our riot control units. And because of those relationships we'd established with the local community, once the riot patrol units deployed, they... They deployed some pepper balls at the foot of the crowd, not any direct impact, but just kind of let them know we're serious. Um, The local protesters came out in front of the police and in front of the crowd, and they actually locked arms and pushed the crowd back so the National Guard and the police could get out of there. So our our outcomes here in Oklahoma have been drastically different than the rest of the country.
0: I, I sure hope that this kind of information is being shared by the chiefs of police and by by law enforcement organizations, because that's the, that, that to me is what's going to solve a lot of this, this anti-police sentiment.
1: And that's correct. And once again, it goes back to building those relationships within the community. We don't always agree. We have a lot to do to improve, but it starts with a genuine conversation, uh, on how to fix the problem. And so, uh, we've been very blessed here, and I, and I have meetings scheduled throughout the next week with different departments for upcoming events on, on you know, kind of the recipe here in, in Oklahoma. Don't know if it'll work. Um, I think prayer is the best thing. You know, I I go back to, you know, Ephesians 6.12 where it talks about we don't battle against uh, flesh and blood. We, we battle against wickedness and evil forces, and that's exactly what our country is faced with right now.
0: How is this going to end? Is... Are we gonna be looking at this kind of activity now until perhaps even through the election? Or is there some cutting point where people are suddenly gonna realize, hey, we can't we can't disband, we can't defund, we can't continue to riot and, and have vandals running around our cities? What's the fix?
1: You know, we're very blessed in this part of the country that we have the support of our prosecutors and um, they are behind us 100%. We the silent majority is gonna to have to speak up and say they've had enough. Um, part of the reason we've had some of success here we've had is we've gone to the protesters and said, we will defend your right to protest peacefully all day long. You can go anywhere you wanna go, but once it becomes an unlawful assembly, either with property destruction or violent acts, that's when we will cut it off. And we actually had that very early on in the protest. Um, and the protesters knew we were serious about it so as a result of that they started to police themselves very early on in all these protests here in Oklahoma and so when outside agitators would come in they would actually remove them from the group and turn them over to us so it made our job very very easy um, but really that comes down to having those relationships prior to an event like this. And, and that's something we've really worked on here in Tulsa and in Oklahoma. And we don't always agree. Obviously there's a lot of room for improvement, um, but there is a mutual respect for each other's position. And I think you have to start somewhere at some point. The sad thing about this Colonel is, you know, the George Floyd murder was, was an event in recent memory for me where everyone was united on the same page. Yeah be it police and protesters. And so now, you know, I was actually encouraged that we might actually move forward with some of those police and community relations um, as a result of this. But now you have these outside anarchists and agitators that are coming in that have hijacked the narrative. And that is extremely disappointing. Um, But the silent majority is going to have to step up and say enough is enough. And the rule of law has to prevail.
0: You know, fifty years from now, my great-grandkids are gonna be reading and seeing and looking at the history of what happened in this remarkable time. What is it you want my great-grandkids to know, 50 years from now, about what you did in this rather dramatic time? You know, I
1: I would want them to know that that brave men and women in uniform, be it first responders, medical professionals, military. Stood in the gap between order and chaos, and that in order for our great republic to continue, it's gonna, it's incumbent on future generations to put service before self. And and the final thing I would probably say to them is honor them by being the type of American that honors their that's worthy and honors their sacrifices.
0: You spoke it well, brother. Thank you. I appreciate very much. Thank you, sir. I know you've had some tough days. Get some rest. God bless you.
1: Bless you. Thank you, sir.
0: If this broadcast has been informative, helpful, or encouraging to you, take time to subscribe and let me know how these unprecedented events have affected you and yours. By doing so, you too can become part of this historical record of how America persevered and once again prospered. Until next time, remember, Semper Fidelis is more than a slogan for U.S. Marines. Always faithful is a way of life.